How great thou art. Let's look at a couple of <clears throat> words we just sang. And when Christ shall come and take, come and shout with acclamation, and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. I couldn't help but think of Jewel as we sang uh, that particular refrain. And I'd like you to think of her uh, in this moment. I mean, she's already done it. She's already there. She's been there for several days now. Then I shall bow in humble adoration. What's Jewel doing right now? And there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And the one, and actually what's so very wonderful about it, uh, it's for all of us. Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to be for uh, a few moments this morning as we begin. And we talk about a celebration of freedom as we talk about the 4th of July, as we talk about Independence Day. I want to talk about that a little bit. In fact, let's do that before we read the scripture. <clears throat> we celebrate the 4th of July for the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Declaration of Independence, as I'm sure you all know, uh, was a committee was set aside to write the Declaration, and the committee boiled down to one, and it ended up to be Thomas Jefferson. And Thomas Jefferson wrote that Declaration, and then Congress just tore it apart. Uh, there's a wonderful, musical, uh, almost historically accurate film called 1776. It'll probably be shown on TV uh, on the 4th of July. I highly recommend it to you. Uh, if you miss it, let me know. I have the DVD, uh, and I'd be happy to loan it to you. It's, it's a wonderful uh, item, and after you've seen it, then we can sit and, and separate the, the musical rah-rah from the uh, historical accuracy of the film. But the point I want to make here in regards to the Declaration is Congress just tore it apart and put it back together again and just all of that business going on. And you'll see why I'm mentioning that now uh, in a few minutes. But in that Declaration, in the in the beginning paragraphs, uh, Thomas Jefferson said our, uh, our, our creator... Uh, provided us with inalienable rights, and those rights being what? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then goes on and tells King George why we're not having those things, and shame on you, and why we want to separate. And then everybody finally signed it at the end, uh, and that was the Declaration of Independence. Declaration of Independence, everybody signed it on the uh, 4th of July, and there it is. But we weren't free. We were not independent. Uh, we were not at liberty. It took four very hard years called the Revolutionary War uh, in order to achieve that freedom. So there are those that say that Independence Day isn't really the 4th of July if you're celebrating uh, a an item. It's the 17th of September because that's when the Treaty of Paris was signed in 1781, if I remember my numbers correctly, uh, when England said, we want no more to do with you, good riddance. And that's basically what they said. 
and then there that's independent to me and I, I I quietly silently I'll never try to change the world uh, celebrate the 4th of July on September the 17th but you know, that's the purest in me but there it is but the 4th of July we celebrate and the point we want to make in regards to that is this and we've heard this item uh frequently in the news and on uh, in television and so on, that freedom is not free. Freedom is not free. And we're going, I want you to take that little phrase and put it in the back of your brain. And as we go through uh, the, my brief remarks this morning, <clears throat> I want you to play it against that phrase. Freedom is not free. Now, Galatians chapter 5. Let me... Uh, Turn there and read a couple of verses for you, and I think that'll set us up. Galatians chapter 5. Where's the 5? There it is. Down at the back. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. There's that word, free. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again, with the yoke of bondage. Now we take that from a physical standpoint. We think in terms of prison or jail or locked in the the locks, you know, the the yoke that they used to have for punishment, and, and we think in those things. Okay. Well, that, of course, that isn't what that's talking about there. This bondage that they're talking about, <coughs> that Paul is mentioning here, uh, that bondage is a synonym for uh, I'll think of the word in a minute. Sin. There it is. Sin. That's the bondage. We're locked in the bondage of sin until when? We have to be released from that sin. Well, who's, quote, the jailer? Who's got the key to the door? And, of course, that person uh, is God, and God has sent his son, and he sent his son with the key, didn't he? He sent his son with the key in order that we might have the freedom that we're talking about. Christ has made us free. And not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, Paul, I, Paul, say unto you, that be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Now, that, there's that, that idea of justification by grace. And grace, the word grace is an absolutely free, unmerited gift. And we don't understand that. We're not in that kind of business uh, to understand that kind of grace. Did I start this thing? I did. I hope I did. It would be terrible if we missed this. Uh, I did. I mean, we forgot something today. I didn't forget that. Okay, I'm recording, so... You can send this to your friends. Okay. So <laughs> grace is unmerited because what do we do? Somebody sends us a card. We have to return the card. Uh, somebody gives us a gift and we have to return the gift. You know, oh, well, Christmas time especially. We get those cards in the mail. Whoops, they're not on my Christmas card list. I didn't send Sally. There's no Sally in the room, so I can use that name. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't send Sally a card, but she sent me one, so... 
Shirley, quick, run out and get one more card, and let me find her address, and we'll get one off to her. Hopefully, she'll get it before Christmas Day. And there, have we all done that? Have we all been there? I think we have at one time or another, be it a card or a gift or whatever. Uh, <clears throat> so that's not grace, is it? The idea of a gift, the idea of an open gift, uh, God's gift to us is we don't deserve spit. We don't deserve anything whatsoever. We deserve zero. The wages of sin is death. Forget the rest of the sentence. There it is. That's where you are. That's where we are. Praise God for the conjunction, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And the wonderful thing is, is the verse that we all know, John 3.16, and it gets beat up all the time. You quote it over and over again to the point you just run it out and you don't even remember what the words mean. But God so loved the world that he sent his son. And it's verse 17 that really shows you what grace is all about. That he sent his son not into the world, verse 17, to judge the world. He sent him not to judge, but to save. Came not to judge, but to save. Verse 17. Check it out for yourself. Whichever version, they all pretty much do the same thing with that verse. <clears throat> That's where it is. He came to save. Just like the verse that I read here, Jesus came to save. Came to set us free from the bondage of sin. And that's a good thing. That's a great thing. However, there's something that we have to do. And we're going to be talking about uh, that to some length today. And that is, we have the freedom to choose. And that's a, oh, that's good. Freedom is good. I want to be free. I want to be free of this. I want to be free of that. I want to be free of everything. And but we really shouldn't be, should we? We really shouldn't be free of everything because if we're free of everything, uh, then we're going to find ourselves in trouble. Uh, at the end of Judges, Judges chapter 21, verse 25, if I remember my numbers correctly, it says, uh, there was no king in Israel and everyone did that was right in his own eyes. That means whatever, whatever I want to do, whatever makes me feel good, whatever, I can do it and it's okay. No law. Free. That's that's absolute freedom. It's also called anarchy. It's also called chaos. It's also called lawlessness, isn't it? Uh, when I was in college, we had a, a, a class on, I can't even remember what the class was about now, but we talked about what, what is known as situation ethics. Was You're in a situation where you're a father and you got three kids at home and you haven't got a job. <coughs> And the kids are hungry, they haven't eaten in two days, and you haven't either, and da-da-da-da. And so you go steal a loaf of bread to feed the kids. <clears throat> Is that okay? That's not that's not stealing. That's not a breaking the commandment. That's thou shalt not steal. No, you were just, you were in a desperate situation. Situation made it necessary for you to do what you did. And you stole a loaf of bread. And you'll find that human compassion will usually deal with that and, and give you a pass. But you see, you still stole a loaf of bread. 
And the grocer could very well prosecute you for having stolen the loaf of bread. Right? Makes sense? And, of course, the loaf of bread, well, of course, bread, everything's expensive at the store now. I can remember when bread, well, you can remember when bread was less than a dollar. But, you know, I can too, and we don't want to talk about that too much. Hershey bars were a nickel, and Coke was five cents plus two cents deposit. And Remember those days? Right after the war? Well, never mind. Anyway. But what we have, what we have is a loving God that is provided for us from the very beginning of time. From the time that Adam and Eve were in the garden, God has provided the parameters by which we can have a free, full, productive life if we live under his counsel. Well, eventually it got to the Ten Commandments with Moses, and we're going to talk about a few of those today. I'm not, a, I'm not going to talk about the ones that, uh, uh, that talk about our relationship to him. I want to talk about the physical ones because they're easy for us to grab onto. And the physical commandments are meant for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to to make us agreeable one to another. We can live in harmony one with another because we keep the commandments that he's provided for us. And it starts with, I mean, the first biggie is what? Murder. Don't kill anybody. Don't murder anybody. That makes sense, doesn't it? That makes sense. And then the next one is don't steal. Now, those are both things that are against the law, physical law, and you go to jail for both of those things unless you have a certain name, and I'm not going to get into politics today too much. Uh, <clears throat> and you can get away with things like that. And then the next one is is the adultery one. That's not against the law, but it's a no-no. And most people say, oh, shame on you. You know, and it shouldn't have done that, that kind of thing. Uh, unless you're the offended party, and then there's divorce, and there's, there's, and what happens in divorce, by the way, very quickly, what happens in divorce? The kids pay the highest price, don't they? And we're talking about no matter what age the kids are. I mean, well, you know, the kids are 20 now, they can handle it, so now, now we can, you know, forget this, and I'll, I'll go this way, and you go that way, and, and the kids will be fine. Well, that's crazy. Crazy thought. Look at look at the look at the statistics. It just doesn't work that way. Kids pay the price when you divorce. And I'm not throwing rocks at those of you that have been down that road. Um, it's just it's a matter of fact. Uh, and then it says you shouldn't covet anything that's your neighbor's. You shouldn't bear false witness. That's called lying. Shouldn't do that. Lying. Well, everybody has lied. Every single one of you in this room at one time or another said no when you should have said yes. Did you do... My son Rob, did you put your fingerprint in that chocolate cake? And he said no. As I'm looking straight in his face and I see the chocolate right in the corner. True story. Not a very smart liar, was he? Uh, but there it is. Guess what? 
That's breaking the commandment, isn't it? That's that's lying. Big deal. Should he go to jail? Should we put him on the firing squad? Well, of course, that's we're being silly. But but that's a that's it. That's a sin. Thou shalt not bear false witness. You won't lie. You don't lie. That's a commandment. And when you lie and you get to the point and we and we had a daughter that really got very good at that and you've met my daughter so uh but she's not here so I can use this uh, she was good I mean she came home and she'd say things like it's gospel I mean I could have I should have been able to look it up in the bible and and read it for myself because that's how good she was at it she was fantastic at it my daughter <clears throat> and it got to the point that what what I mean, there was punishment, and we did this, we did that, and, you know, can't go out tonight, uh, can only go to school, and et cetera. All of those things that we do to our, those terrible, terrible things we do to our children to torture them. Uh, but we come, we got to, we couldn't, we trust her. She'd come home, and she'd say, Dad, it's raining outside, and guess what I would have to do? I would have to go to the window or the door and check it out to see if she wasn't lying to me. I mean, I'm being silly, but but there it is. No trust. And trust is very difficult to build back, isn't it? Very difficult to build back. It's separation. But, you know, one of the things that we have problems with in this world, in this age, is punishment. There has to be punishment. How can there be punishment and forgiveness? How can I forgive? Now, I am going to get political because it happened. I stayed up until after midnight last night to watch what Mr. Trump did. Mr. Trump shook hands with the chairman of North Korea. And I, I, this was personal to me. And you'll see why in just a minute. He shook hands with him and he said, hey, basically said, let's sit down and talk and, and see if we can't work out some kind of deal where we can live together. That's basically what he said. And and that was it. That was all there was to it. it took him a while to do it and so on. And then this morning, as we were dressing, there were those in the Congress that's why I mentioned about Congress in that movie we talked about and what they did at the Declaration of Independence. There was a member of Congress that said that he shouldn't have done that. It just absolutely sends the wrong message to the entire world. Trump is now a weakling. He's just mamby-pamby. Uh, he's not the tough guy that he pretends that he's supposed to be and da-da-da-da, da-da-da, and so on. And I'm thinking to myself, when he's saying those things, I say, well, the opposite of that, and because I used to be in the camp, in 1968, the Pueblo was captured by the North Koreans. That was a, a, a one of our ships. It was captured. The entire crew, the ship, the whole business. Some of you can remember that. And I was in the United States Marine Corps. Surprise, surprise. You didn't know that, did you? Uh <laughs> I was in the United States Marine Corps. I was stationed at Camp Pendleton. This is before Shirley. I hadn't met Shirley yet. I was at Camp Pendleton, and we got called up, and we knew we were going somewhere. And so they had us all mustered. There's a whole regiment of us 
all ready to go, and that's a couple of thousand people. And we were getting cold weather gear. It was February of 1968, and we just knew where we were going, and we were rubbing our hands together. They were going to kill a bunch of Koreans. I mean, that's, you know, retribution for the capturing of, you know, we were all up in arms about that situation, along with the other things that the North Koreans have been doing forever. That's called punishment, isn't it? That's called punishment. There's no forgiveness. The only good North Korean is a dead one, right? That You go back in history, the only good Indian is a dead Indian and, and all of that business. There it is. And I, I was one of those. I was ready. And then the following day, we turned in our parkas and our snow gloves, and we got jungle utilities, and then we knew where we were going, and we flew to Da Nang and carried on with what we had to do in Vietnam. But there, that's what we're talking about. There's this idea there must be punishment. Must be. But God said, when you come to me, all is forgiven. Hitler's in heaven if he accepted Christ before he blew his, blew his head off. That might be kind of a stretch. And I really believe it was a stretch when I said it. But it, it, there's that possibility. That's how big that grace is. That's how big that God so loved the world that God gave his son that whosoever. That word whosoever means all of you. As nasty as you have been in your life, God still loves you. God still loves me. And I don't necessarily am going to have to receive any kind of punishment that I haven't already received. Now, when we break some of these laws, uh, when we, well, let's use the adultery one. That one's easy. Uh, we open ourselves up, and I know someone that actually, someone that was in my circle of acquaintances uh, that was involved in that and <clears throat> took upon himself uh, sexual disease. That's called <laughs> not, that's punishment. It's not induced punishment. It's just as if, if you jump off of a cliff, guess what's going to happen to you? Well, God will save me. I'm not quite sure that that's true. Uh, but there you go. If you, if you defy the laws of nature, you're going to pay a price. Now that you still might end up with Jewel, uh, and I pray that you will, but you're going to pay the, you're going to pay the physical price. And that's the difference. The physical price and the spiritual price. And we're all tied in to the physical, and the physical has to happen. And unfortunately, in personal relationships, that is true as well. I know a lady, not here today, good, uh, that came to me and said, my sister has wronged me. 20 years ago, my sister wronged me, and we haven't talked, and there's animosity between the two of us. And she said, she has to come to me and apologize to me before I can forgive her. And I, I had just preached a message on forgiveness, which was kind of interesting, because I wanted to shout at her, weren't you listening to me? 
But that's backwards. Forgiveness. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He forgave your sin. You didn't do a thing. He just gave it to you. All you did was accept it. And that's what you and I are called upon to do. Is to reach out in love. Reach out in love and forgive. And whether or not that person apologizes or even admits to the fact that they ever wronged you at all. And uh, my wife has a sister that falls into that category a little bit. And and But you, we've all got those dysfunctional families, those dysfunctional things that go in in our lives that creates what? That creates animosity, that creates tension, that creates hurt, creates tears, and so on. Did I use the word anguish? Uh, that goes in there too. Uh, all because. I've got a sister that I was throwing rocks at for several years, and uh, I'm glad that I finally got over that hump. But there it is. What did they do? Sometimes we don't even remember what they did. But it was it must have been something. It must have been pretty bad because I'm still pretty mad. <laughs> that kind of thing. For God so loved the world. Jesus came to set us free. And the problem with the freedom is freedom of choice. Adam and Eve in the garden. They had the run of the place. One thing. Keep your hands off that tree. Well, I'm being... Don't eat of the tree. Don't eat of the tree. Yeah. They did. Don't play in the street. Kid plays in the street. Same thing can happen. Death can happen. You play in the street, you can get run over by a truck. Happens all the time. You don't go... I love what my son and daughter have done with... Uh, Sasha and Lucy in regards to their pool. They have a pool in the backyard and they've got that, that wrought iron fence around it and so on. Uh, but it isn't always locked. And they've got rules set up for the girls as far as being out there. And the girls obey those rules. I don't know what they did to, to instill them, but those girls know. Maybe it's because they remember a time when they were in the water and they were absolutely petrified uh, because they couldn't swim and whatever, so they were scared. And it wasn't until now they're getting to the point where they're pretty good at it. Uh, <clears throat> but even then, they don't break those rules. They don't break those rules. What happens when they break those rules? Well, we all the time. How many how many children die in a backyard pool over the course of the year in the United States? There's a bunch. I don't know what the numbers are, but there are a lot. We have freedom of choice. We're able to choose. And sometimes we choose incorrectly. Adam and Eve chose incorrectly. Abraham chose incorrectly. Moses chose incorrectly in that he hit the rock. Naomi, we're studying the book of Ruth right now. Naomi chose incorrectly. There's famine in the land and she ran away. She left town and went to a place that she was absolutely forbidden to go by God. Allowed her sons to marry women that were absolutely forbidden to be intertwined into the bloodline of Israel. Wow. 
choice. We have choices. We've made choices. Every single one of us has made choices and they were wrong and we knew it right up in front that I shouldn't have done this. Should not have done this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And we might have paid a physical price for it. Uh, we might have gotten away with it. I can remember a couple of terrible hangovers many, many years ago. Do you believe I ever drank anything? Uh, oh, Shirley's never seen me drink. Uh, well, a beer now and then, but there it is. <clears throat> I'll tell you what. Hang- the first hangover, God was telling me, see how stupid you are? The second hangover was me understanding how stupid I was because it was worse than the first one. So it didn't change. You know, maybe I'm getting immune. You know, I'll get immune. Then I'll be okay. Crazy. Free choice. God loved us so much. And there's those commandments again. God provided the commandments as a chart for living. Just like we have those physical laws. What are the physical laws? Well, there's gravity. That's the big one. Uh, That's the one that's easiest to explain. We all have to obey gravity. We have to obey. We have no choice in the matter whatsoever. When we defy gravity, we're asking for it. Those idiots that walk on the tight wire, uh, you know, they're just asking for it. And occasionally they, they pay big time. I mean, you know, there it is. They practice a lot. I jumped out of an airplane twice. I didn't know. No, that's a lie. I was kicked out of an airplane twice. And both times I said, no. And they'll never be, the third time will have a boot in my rear end the same way the first two times did. It's crazy to jump out of an airplane and expect good results. It's just absolutely, completely beyond reason for you to do that. It just, gravity is not to fool with. Are you listening to me? Gravity is not to fool with. But God's law is not to fool with. You shall not murder. You shall you shall not commit adultery. You shan't you shan't steal, and so on. Those are important things. And as we study them carefully, we find that actually one leads to another. It says you shouldn't covet anything. Covet is meaning actually want something so bad that no matter what it is, you're going to get it. And that leads you to do what? To steal for it? To commit adultery for it? David coveted Bathsheba in his heart before he sent the servant down to fetch her into court. Think about it. Naomi coveted the food that was in Moab that wasn't in Israel before she went to, well, of course, her husband took her, but Elimelech took her to Moab. So there are those who say, well, you can't really blame Naomi. She was just being a, a dutiful, uh, yes master husband or wife. And, but, uh, I got a news for you. There, there aren't wives like that. Wives, wives that understand God, understand their position before God 
and they know what God wants of them, are not afraid to tell their husbands, Thus saith the Lord. I have a wife that has a thus saith the Lord attitude about certain things. So, I speak of experience. But let me listen to it carefully. I'm going to tell you a little story about my granddaughter, Lucy, because it speaks to this idea of free choice. For some reason, my well, my son and daughter-in-law live 11 doors for me uh, on the same street, just boop, down the street. They love to walk from our house to their house. We They stay at our house, as you know, uh, just about every day, uh, babysitting and so on. So, and oftentimes, Rob will come home, he'll park his car, come down, walk down, and walk the girls home because they love to have that walk with him. My granddaughters, as beautiful and as smart as they are, are demented. But there it is. They love to make that walk. Well, there's times when the walk is not convenient. And so they say, are we, they'll say, are we walking, are we riding? And as soon as he says that they're riding, uh, they pitch a fit. Well, Friday night, this last Friday night, that's what happened. It was 11 o'clock. They had what they call their date night. And we were watching the girls until they got home. And so Rob came to pick them up. And he says, well, we're, I'm, we're, I'm driving you home. We're not walking home. It's dark. It's 11 o'clock at night. Uh, and we're not, we're not doing it. And Lucy just absolutely, just this side of a tantrum. I want to walk home. I, this is what I want. I want to walk home. No, I'm not riding, I'm walking. No, and so on and so on. Back and forth, back and forth. Uh, Rob talked about, said, well, you keep acting like this. First of all, no matter what you do, we're not walking. Uh, so, I mean, there's the absolute. It's not safe out there. It's dark, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we're not, we're not going to do it, period, flat out. It ain't going to happen. No matter what you do, it's not going to happen. Do you hear me? It's not going to happen. And if you keep having this attitude, there are going to be, they love this word, consequences. And the girls, four years old, be five years old in, in August, they know what the word consequence means. Could be any number of things. You know, they have a whole list of consequences, you know. Uh, and consequences are terrible because she almost shuts up immediately when the word con- no, no consequence, no consequence for what I'm doing. Uh, and it, but then she keeps screaming. He says, yes, consequence. So now they're not arguing about walking anymore. We're talking about the consequence for the reaction to the not walking. That's that choice. That's that free will. I want to walk. And what I want to do is more important than anything else. Anything else. I want to walk. That's absolute freedom. Freedom has restrictions. Freedom is for your safety. Why do they put a rail up on on a bridge that goes over the over the freeway? So you don't have that urge to end it all and jump. 
and I, I, I'm kind of thinking from the point down, I don't want you to jump just at the time you're going to land on my Lincoln. No way in the world do I want that to happen. Now, I'm being a little silly, but, but you got the idea. That free, we put restrictions upon you to save you <laughs> before it even happens, right? And God provided those restrictions right here in Exodus chapter 20, Deuteronomy chapter 5. They're called the Ten Commandments. And if we're able to live by the Ten Commandments, think about, think about it. Go home and read the Ten Commandments again for yourself and say, if we were doing these things all of the time, all of the time, all of the time, how wonderful life would be. How wonderful life would be. Now, what's the little phrase I told you to remember? Freedom's not free. There is no absolute freedom. There are physical laws that we can't break without consequence. There are spiritual laws that we can't break without consequence. We turn our back on God. And God eventually will turn his back upon you. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life to those that are willing to come to him and repent. It's as simple as that. And when we talk about independence, and so now we're back to history, and there comes this physical separation. Physical separation, there was war. Revolutionary War, the War of 1812. Uh, next one is the Civil Civil War. We feel so passionate about whatever whatever principle it was. Civil War uh, was states' rights uh, and slavery and and a couple of other things as well. Uh, to the point that we're going to kill each other uh, for that reason. I was ready to kill Koreans in 1968. I was sent to Vietnam to to the Vietnamese anyway, and so on. Uh, and so, <coughs> freedom is costly. Freedom is costly, but it's only costly when we're not willing to forgive. And the same is true between your relationship. Uh, and God, God is willing to forgive right up until the moment that you draw your last breath. Right up until the moment that you draw your last breath. As Hitler was squeezing the trigger of the forty-five that put the bullet in his brain, he could have confessed to the Lord Jesus Christ and accepted him as a prisoner savior and he'd be in heaven. That's God's forgiveness, that's God's long-suffering, that's God's love. Love for us all. But, if he did not, and Stalin and whatever, anybody else, I have some people in my family that I wonder where they are, to be honest. Uh, If not, And the wages of sin is, uh, I'll think of it again in a minute. There it is. Free choice. 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 Adam and Eve had choice. Abraham had choice. Moses had choice. 
David had two wives and choice, and a third was not a good idea. And what did that cost? Well, it cost the issue. It cost him the son that Bathsheba bore for him. Physical cost. And it cost him more than that, because when you look at it, when you look at David's life, David never had a harmonious family life, ever. His sons, they grew up by the other wives. Uh, they were fighting for his throne, and one of them tried to kill him, and you read the history of David. David didn't have an easy life. David did not have an easy life. So there was that physical, I mean, was that God punishing him? No. That was, that's the world punishing. World is a terrible taskmaster. A terrible, terrible taskmaster. Freedom is not free. Just like what we have today. As President Trump has reached out and shaken the hand of that Korean monster, and I heard him called that the other day, last night, uh, to the point that they'll set aside their nuclear weapons, which is in the benefit of the entire world if Korea doesn't develop nuclear weapons. That's the right approach. Because what is the other approach? For me to put back on my uniform and to regenerate those thoughts I had in 1968, well, it's time to go kill Koreans. It seems to be one or the other. Think about that in your relationships. Which is better? To forgive, to reconcile, to be, to be back together again? Or to not physically kill, but or to kill that relationship completely with that family member or that friend or, or whatever it is. Freedom's not free. Wasn't free in the Revolutionary War. Wasn't free at all. Wasn't just signing a document, hey, we're done with you and we're walking away from the table. Oh, if it was that easy. But it's not, is it? But it's that easy with God. I come before God. And what do I, what do I do when I come before God? What do we do when we come before God? We ask for forgiveness. And He's right there. And it's almost a guarantee. You almost wonder why you have to ask because you know He's going to give it. It's there. You ask because you know He's going to give it. And He does. Every single time. That's the freedom in Christ. And that is what freedom really is. That is freedom. So this 4th of July, let's celebrate freedom. Wave the flag. Depending on what city you live in, pop off a a flare or something. Can't do it in Cathedral City. Uh, no, you can't. You, but you can do it in Cathedral City, but don't you dare cross the line into Palm Springs. That's what it is. So, and then the fire that starts in Palm Springs comes over to Cathedral City, and everybody pays. Anyway, there that is. But have have a wonderful time. 
hamburgers and hot dogs in the backyard and all of that stuff. Hooray, hooray. Even though we didn't get free on the 4th of July, 1776, it took September the 17th, 1781. There's your history lesson for the day. But freedom is not free. Never was, never will be, until we get the ultimate freedom, and that's what Jewel has, because now she's free of all of the physical stuff. It's all gravy now. Gravy for Jewel. Gravy for you. Let's pray together. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you this day for the freedom that you provide for us the freedom that you provide in your Son, the freedom for the bondage of sin, the bondage that are that's mentioned in our Scripture today that you so freely gave to us in order that we might know your love. Guide and lead us now as we go forward. And we do give thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Communion. Communion. I did it again. Did you do that already? Before? I I, I missed that hand. Going that way. You get, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I had a good transition too. I've got a great transition for this. Oh, now you don't. Yes, I do. Just walk over. I walk over. And because there's so many of you, I'm going to do penance and serve it myself. Here it is, right here. This is the mark of that freedom. This is my broken body. This is my blood that was shed for you in order that you not, you need not spiritually shed that blood yourself. And that's what this is about. And as we freely partake, we partake Demonstrating to the world. Sit down. Uh, As we partake, we do so in remembrance of Him, but in demonstration to the world that we are identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a cool thing? Got it? So we hold it while I run over to Ruth, the other Ruth, and to myself. I forgot communion again today. How is it that she's not able to play and partake at the same time? I don't understand. Okay, well, you have to work on that. Okay, with that, I I actually, I said it already, because there it is. We have the freedom. He's told us that we needed to do this, but he's told us for our own benefit. Because as often as you eat and drink of it, you do this in remembrance of me, and as you do this in remembrance of me, you're reminded of the freedom that I have provided you with my blood. So we partake bread and we partake blood.
I think next month, put the communion table right here. Thank you, dear. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let's pray. Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you today. And we just ask that as we kind of trip around sometimes in our uh, worship opportunities, that you understand that we are focused upon you and we focus completely and wholeheartedly, mind and spirit, on you. We thank you for sending your Son. We thank you that your Son came so freely, that your Son came not to judge, but to accept. All ye who come, come. Come with me, all ye who labor, and I will give you rest. We thank you and we praise you this wonderful, beautiful day as we celebrate the freedom of this country. We celebrate our freedom in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless America. Let's stand. Oh